Life is short, too short to stack regrets and get to the end wishing you had lived a life by your own design rather than what others expected of you. Let's have ourselves some pocket-sized pep talk because my guest today says boldness is the key to unlocking that life. His message is so powerful. With over 300 podcasts, he's only the second guest I've ever brought back for another conversation, and you'll soon hear why. A pocket-sized pep talk, the podcast that can help energize your business and your life with a quick, inspiring message. Now, here's your host, Rob Jollis. My guest today, Fred Joyle, is an entrepreneur, speaker, business advisor, and author. He's written two best-selling books and as the CEO of one of the top advertising firms in Los Angeles, has written and appeared in over 200 television and radio commercials. He boldly co-founded the most successful dentist referral service in the country, 1-800-DENTIST. Speaking of bold, his latest book, Super Bold, From Underconfident to Charismatic in 90 Days, is an Amazon and Wall Street Journal bestseller. You are one bold son of a gun. Welcome back to the show, Fred. Rob, excited to be here and uh, kicking off the year right. You bet. Uh, like I said, uh, I I just got so much out of what you said and spoke about and your book, which is on Amazon. And folks, hang tight, but uh, write it down because you're going to be getting it when we're done and then you're going to write a review for it. I was explaining our conversation to a bunch of people, even my family members. And I think, although we have a big sales audience that listens to this and entrepreneurs, I just can't think of anybody who can't benefit from your topic. So unlike me, you started out as a very shy person. And uh, as you said, too timid to make a phone call, but you transformed yourself and you crashed through those fears. Okay. We got for every card-carrying introvert, and even for me, who we all, by the way, have a card in our pocket, give me your best two minutes out of the gate on on how you did it, how you made this transformation so that people can take these ideas and apply them to what they're doing. Uh, you know, I saw bold people doing things and, uh, you know, it was two parts, seeing the bold people take bold action. And, and getting away with stuff. I was like, why is nobody stopping them? Um, and, you know, and why are they succeeding like this? Uh, and then, and, and coupled that with stacking a whole bunch of regrets in my life to the point where they just made me frustrated and eventually angry that I was like, look, I've, I got to stop missing out on these things. So I just started emulating bold people and realizing I had to get comfortable with being uncomfortable um and and so that was the transformation for me as i i realized that you you know the, the thing i always tell people is you know dying of embarrassment is not a medical diagnosis uh it is it is a choice that you actually make to feel embarrassed you don't have to uh you don't have to feel rejected you don't have to feel any of those things you will be rejected in life, but you don't have to take that personally. Uh, you don't know why, or, or it, and both people don't care. And they was like, yeah, I failed. I got rejected. I, I, I'm, I'm going to keep going uh, and figure out how to be better at it. Whereas introverts go back in my shell, got to play it safe from now on. Don't ever want to feel that again. And I just got used to being uncomfortable. And what happened is, my comfort zone just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and when you realize that, you say, oh, this is and this is the huge conclusion. So I'm sort of blurting it out right now is that I always thought that I, if I were more confident, I would be bolder. And then what I figured out when I started being bold when I was uncomfortable is that the bold action built my confidence. It's totally the other way around. Bold people do stuff all the time that they are not confident at all about the outcome, but they're used to just taking action. They're used to doing stuff and seeing what happens and rolling with whatever happens. And so, more often than not, something interesting, useful, exciting, adventurous, fun, revealing 
inspiring happens and and it makes you more confident yeah yeah and and thanks fred because i mean i i I loaded a gun at (laughs) and hit you with a big one right out of the gate two minutes tell me tell me how we fix a, a lifetime of issues but you hit on so many good points first of all i loved your phrase becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable uh, you know, as a professional speaker, people come up all the time and go, how do you do it? How, how do you get up? I, I, in a sense, I was as I'm listening to your words, I'm, I'm thinking I, I, the only thing that's different between you and me. And I'm talking about that audience is I've become comfortable with becoming I mean, uncomfortable because I never want to walk on stage and be so comfortable that I'm going to be flat. There's always a little burn in your belly. You want that anxiousness, but you're comfortable with it. You know, uh, there's a great um quote out there that I, I read one time and I loved it. And they said, you know, hope there, you know, why, why are people afraid to hope? And uh, somebody, it was a sports columnist just buried in a sports column said, you know, the penalty for hope is disappointment. And when he, when I read that, I thought, well, there it is. So when you talk about becoming uncomfortable, you tell me if I've got this right, you know, we have to be prepared that when we put ourselves out there, yeah, It may not be a home run every time. Uh, There may be some disappointment. But Fred, think about the alternative. You know, think about being afraid to hope. Think about being afraid to become uncomfortable. Yeah, there's a a great book on on the the five regrets of the dying. And uh, this woman interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people who were essentially on their deathbed. The number one thing they said was, I wish I lived a life on my own terms rather than a life other people expected of me. In other words, I regret not being my full self. Because if you're not, somebody else will design your life for you. Mm. And you're not going to like it at the end. Wow. Very powerful. You know, we we, seem to be using the words bold and confident a lot. Um, and I, uh, so to me, I mean, I, I don't know, are they the same thing? Are they different? But I, but I, I, I sense they're going to come up a lot in this conversation. Yeah. Let's clarify that uh, because confidence is how you feel about yourself in certain moments. And we, we are, most of us are confident in some areas and underconfident in other areas, but it's just how we feel. Boldness is confidence in action, is doing something. And you don't, again, you don't need the confidence to take bold action. So boldness is doing something outside of your comfort zone, uh, taking, taking a bigger step. And again, that builds your confidence. But there are two very distinct things. I know people who are just very confident people, but they never take any chances. They never make a bold move in their lives. They go, like, I'm very comfortable with myself. I'm very confident about who I am. But what, where are the risks? Where the, where's the risk of failure? Because, right. and, and I, I always relate things to sports. It's like, if you started playing basketball, would you expect to, to swish the ball from, from the free throw line over and over again? Of course not. But in all other, in like social situations, we think we're supposed to swish the ball right away. And if we don't, we don't want to play anymore. Right, right. I mean, so it's like, why would we, we have this deep psychological fear of failure on an emotional or psychological level. Bold people have learned that the real reward is to set that aside, to stop worrying about what other people are thinking and chase your dreams beautifully said and you know um I, i'm kidding when i say albert brooks read your book because this movie came out before your book but uh and we may have talked about this it's just one of my favorite movies but have you ever heard of the movie uh, defending your life yes okay i remember it fabulous movie right and what's he at for those who don't know what fred and i are talking about right now it's a book where it's a, com- a book it's a comedy with Meryl Streep, Albert Brooks, written, directed, starring Albert Brooks. But he's looking at what happens when we die, and basically we defend our lives. But the most interesting part of the movie is, so what's the criteria? What exactly are we defending? 
And I think these are somewhat interchangeable. He's talking about overcoming fear. But in a sense, the conversation you're having right now is in terms of being bold, of taking those chances, of where in our lives have we taken the chances, and what have, what exactly did we gain from it? Unbelievable um, strength. And when have we been most disappointed? When we let that that boldness, that fear hold us back. It's a beautiful message, and I think it kind of resonates with, with you a little bit. Yeah, most definitely, because that that window closes. That's that's the reality is if you hesitate long enough and that's all it really is, is it's a problem of we're we're busy playing all of these things in our head that force us to hesitate instead of taking bold action and the opportunity disappears. The, the great opportunities sometimes are a few seconds. You see that person you really want to meet, whether it's an attractive man or a, an interesting woman or a, a, an entrepreneur you always wanted to meet or an actor, whatever. You can talk to yourself long enough till they're gone uh, <laughs> or somebody else walks up and talks to them and you go like, oh, I should have I should have acted. Um, and so it's it, your and circling back to the movie and this whole thing about fear. Uh, is we're, we're, fear is fear of what? Rejection, embarrassment, uh, you, you know, being ostracized somehow, being judged. This stops us, uh, but it doesn't stop old people because they have a handful of people whose opinions matter to them and they don't worry about the rest of the people. I love this expression that, that, that I hear old people say, other people's opinions of me are none of my business. Uh, it's like how, how, what a release that can be when you stop worrying about what other people are thinking about you because they're having judgments based on 15 seconds of observation and yeah. you do it too. I do it too. I look at somebody and I go, that guy should never wear that jacket. He looks ridiculous. Uh, he needs a haircut. She's going to have a heart attack if she doesn't lose weight. I got like, I, I'm running judgments left and right. And then I meet the people. I'm wrong about 98% of the time about everything that I've decided about them. Yeah. Um, and so people are doing that about us with no information. So right. why worry about it? Yeah, well said. And you know, I can give you a classic example of what you just said. We all have people that we don't know. Maybe it's your health club. Maybe it's someplace that you you visit um, repetitively. And there's always one or two people that walk by you and they don't really make eye contact. Not the first time, the 15th time, the 30th time. And what do we do in our head? My, that son of a gun. You know, he doesn't have time for me. I don't have time for him. We build up an entire plot line of this individual and wait for it. Eventually, it always happens. You accidentally make eye contact. You kind of go, how you doing? You get a big smile and you realize for three years, <laughs> I've had this plot line that had no basis for truth whatsoever. Probably an introverted person, uncomfortable. But what did we do? We just lapped off of that. And it's just a pity. It's a shame. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we buy into our narrative. Um, yeah. But but, you know, going back to this this idea of fear uh, is I, I want to zero in on something. A yeah. lot of times what we fear, it tells us that it's something we really want. You know, somebody, <laughs> for example, somebody says, uh, you know, I, I, I would love to sing, you know, karaoke, but I, I would be too embarrassed to do it. My voice isn't good enough. So they never do it. They, but they really want it. They're afraid of how it's going to go. So they guarantee they're not going to experience it by not doing it. Right. And I say to them, have you listened to people sing karaoke? Do they all seem talented to you? Some of the people having in the most fun suck at singing, but <laughs> they're a joy to watch because they are like giving you everything they got off key. And you're like, who's having a better time? You sitting there worrying about people laughing at you and the guy up there singing, people laughing at him and singing along and clapping along with him. And, and he's just belting out ACDC off key. Uh, yeah. that, why not have, you know, life is short, you know, 
that's that's I, I reiterate this to people all the time. It's like you get you get to my age. I'm 69. Uh, you realize how it's too short to let other people decide what you're capable of. Uh, it, it's too short to to live somebody else's dream. Uh, it, you know, uh, it, it it's too short to worry about what other people are thinking because yeah. the clock is running, man. And we don't know how long the coach is going to leave us in the game. Right. Right. And again, those times where we do take those leaps, we're almost always rewarded. Uh, it, it becomes, you know, a chapter in our life that those moments, they're the greatest moments in the world. You know, when people come to me, Fred, a lot of times and they start going through, well, what happens if, and what happens if, and I love asking the question, well, those are really interesting fears. Exactly how many times has that happened? And it's always a pause and they go, well, I, so, so you're misusing your imagination right now is what you're really doing. I think what sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm, my, my humble boldness with my mentor here is I just try and remind people of what's the track record. What usually happens when you take these leaps? Oh yeah. I'm rewarded. So why aren't we leaping? What's holding right. us back? They said that human beings are, are really terrible at projecting things from a statistical standpoint, which is why people buy lottery tickets mm -hmm. um, with the odds are like incalculably against you. Um, but we're, we're, we have so much, we're, we have an incredible ability to figure out the worst case scenario and we're terrible at calculating the odds of it happening. Yeah. yeah. And it stops us. Right. Right. I and, love that. The odds. What are the odds? Yeah. And, and here's the other thing. This is what bold people. And when I learned this, this was also transformational, is that trying and failing feels better than never trying. That thing, like if, if, you know, when I was younger and I, I wanted to, to meet a, a, a woman, if I walked up to her and blew it, at least I walked up to her and, if, or she was like, she waves her engagement ring around in my face or something like that, or just shuns me for whatever reason. I could live with myself because I tried. Yeah. Because I couldn't live with not trying anymore. And that's when you say, I got to change. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Fred, for most entrepreneurs, we have to remind them that so many of them have this dream. It's just, you know, and they, I'm 31 years running my business. And I often get asked, you know, well, when you first went out, well, were you scared? Were you not? Yeah, I was anxious. But I thought, I don't want to be 20 years from now thinking what happens if and six months into running my business, how's it going? Pretty good. But I had the biggest smile on my face because it was like I was scratching an itch. And, and I said, you know, at least I don't have to spend the rest of my life thinking what happened, what would have happened if I'm learning it right now, if it doesn't work. I'll find something else to do, but I can't not do it because I'm afraid of failing. I, I don't have the courage to try. I mean, do you really want it on your tombstone that it says Rob played it safe the whole time? Right, right, right. He had some great ideas, that kid. Never <laughs> acted on him, but boy, he had some great ideas. The book is super bold, and um, it, it, it's available where you know in all online stores, et cetera, from underconfident to charismatic in 90 days. Um, I, I, you can certainly see why Fred is really one of my favorite guests that I can have. I have to, I've got a little note, Rob, shut up, Rob, let Fred go because I, I I'm so <laughs> fascinated with your topic. I think I know the answer to this next question, but in your opinion, what stops us most in life? Uh, you know, if you ask people what's, what's held you back in life, they'll say, oh, well, it was my education or it's my ethnicity or it's my gender uh, or, or it's my, you know, the, my parents, my teachers, whatever. Uh, it's, it was the stock market. It was the economy. And, and, you know, what stops us is actually a who stops us. Okay. And it's us. We stop ourselves more than anybody else or anything else does. We talk ourselves out of taking action. We've, like I said, we've got a great ability to calculate what could go wrong 
and why that would be so bad and why that would feel so bad. So we play it safe until we realize that some age that play it safe is not the right play anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, so uh, you stop ahead. stopping yourself. Bold people never stop themselves. They let somebody else try. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I, um, worked for maybe 15 years now with people in career transition and um i began to write about it and you know everybody was trying to figure out well you know what's holding this person back from being believed and that that was my study it's a little different than yours and i, I and the reason why i say i think i know the answer to the question that i was asking is i learned the same sort of the same thing from a slightly different angle that uh it, it's hard to get people to believe in you when you don't believe in you and, um, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll tackle that, that one. Number two, first, we got to work from the inside and we got to figure this thing out. And, um, it, 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 it sounds trite and simple. And yet that is a, sometimes a lifetime journey for people and, and it's, it's not easy. Yeah. I mean, we get, we get trapped in the pursuit of comfort, mm. um, as an end into itself. And I tell people like, no comfort is is your filling station so that you can go back out and live your life um it's it's where you recharge yourself it's not you know an aim in and of itself i just want to be comfortable all the time i like convenience i like to be comfortable in certain physical situations but i know that all the interesting stuff is happening in my discomfort zone uh, I'm meeting somebody interesting. I'm learning something about myself. I'm trying something new. And it's, as you, as you said a couple of times, it goes better than you thought, more often than you thought, if you just reflect on it. And so part of what I teach in the book is, is how to be systematically bold. Because I, I have friends like you who are bold people. And they read the book and they say, I thought I was pretty bold till I realized how much more I could expand it because now it's a daily practice. Now I'm consciously being bold. When I find myself hesitating, I go, ah, what would Fred tell me? Stop hesitating. Stop stopping yourself. Go find out what's going to happen. Yeah. That's a big shift. Yes. Uh, you know, one of the things that I, I love about your book and your message is uh i mean listen you're a very motivational guy you're inspirational but in a sense i don't want to insult you because to me that's part of the easy part for up for we speakers okay yeah. the hard part is okay now let's get past that is there a process is there a method um are, are you going to make me feel good for the next hour and you that's the thing one of the many things that i really appreciate appreciate about you. you you can talk you can get people fired up but you actually have uh neuroscience behind what you're doing uh and you have a method and you have a process let's spend a moment there if we could so talk about you know your method and some of the science behind what you're describing to us right now yeah so basically i had to analyze why I changed and how I changed and, and how I could accelerate that for somebody else. So I eventually boiled it down to these five steps called the PRIDE method. And PRIDE is an acronym, uh, but it's also from a, a goal standpoint, why wouldn't you want to live a life that you're proud of? Uh, I certainly want to do that. It's, there's nothing egotistical about that. I would I would like to be proud of, of my legacy, my accomplishments, my friendships, my relationships, uh, the, the successes and the failures. I would love people to look at me and say, wow, he, he took a big shot. And boy, that did not go well. But look at him. He's, he's back up in the ring swinging. Yeah. Uh, and so the pride method, the five steps are preparation. So you're preparing yourself, whether it's, let's say, we're going to talk to a stranger. You're going to prepare what you're going to say ahead of time so that you can walk up and say something interesting. Maybe it's a question. Maybe it's just, I would love to meet you. My name's Fred. And it, it, sometimes it, a lot of people, they overcomplicate it. They go like, I, I, I need to be fascinating. It's like, no, you don't. How about polite? 
you know, uh, don't make it a competition for who's more interesting. Um, and, you know, start with a compliment, something like that. It's, it's so easy, but prepare yourself. Um, as a side note, and I just, I, you know, because I could dive deep into each of the steps, but I really like to point this out, is preparation creates the opportunity for discovery, for spontaneous uh, saying something spontaneous. So I may may see you and say, I'm going to walk up and compliment this guy in his beard. And then all of a sudden I see that, that you have one of your books with you. And I say, wait a minute, you're, you're Rob Jollis. I, I, I read that book. That, that book was amazing, but I was ready to just talk about, you know, your beard looks great. So the preparation is the foundation for spontaneity. Yeah. Great. Can I just pop in for 10 seconds with each acronym? I just want to tie it to up to, to this audience. So many salespeople think they're prepared. They're not prepared. And, and when they're prepared, they're prepared to tell the customer all about their solution that the customer probably doesn't, isn't even looking for. They're struggling with a problem, but they're not ready for a solution. So I'll, I'll turn it right back to you. But that preparedness is sometimes learning something interesting about that client and gain and getting some questions ready to get that client talking and feeling comfortable because you doubled back and said, you know, when we were younger, yeah, I wanted to tell you all these fascinating things about me. As I got a little older, I learned, no, I want to hear fascinating things about you. So I like the P. Keep rolling. R, relaxing. You, we have the ability to relax ourselves. You knew that you, we know this as speakers is, is if you're going on stage, you got 3000 people in the audience, you got a lot of energy that is slipping in between anxiety and, and energy. You want to, you want to go with all your energy, but you don't want the anxiety. So I always take like three deep breaths before I go on stage and it relaxes me. Just enough. And then when you realize you can relax yourself, that relaxes you more. You say, I'm in control of my state. So I'm fully energized. I'm not anxious anymore. Let me out. Give me that mic. Get me in front of these people because I got I got stuck for them. And that's what they feel. Um, and so in any situation, you can in seconds, you can relax yourself. It's not by somebody saying, why don't you just relax? That doesn't work. <laughs> that makes you, you go like, I don't look relaxed. That makes me even more nervous. Yeah. So uh, just know that, you know, I go into more detail on all of these steps. The I'm book. sure you do. I'm sure yeah. you do. And for, um, for, for this audience also, if you're out there carrying a bag, get there early, get yourself a cup of coffee, take don't be fighting your way in there, get yourself nice and comfortable. Think about, I, I actually like to take myself to, to, to not, gee, what happens if this doesn't work? What usually happens in there? And not only that, but what do I expect to happen? Whatever that key is, even if it's listening to music, we're trying to relax ourselves. Keep rolling. You're on a, you're on, you're doing great. Go for the eye. And so the eye are, is, are having insights. And the number one insight that, that bold people have is that no one is thinking about you anywhere near as much as you think they are. No one is thinking that much about you. You know who they're thinking about? Themselves. They are thinking about themselves just like you are. Bold people, like I said, they have four or five people whose opinions really matter to them. And then everybody else is a one or a zero on a scale of 10. I mean, they, they would make care about their audience, for example. You and I care about our audience, but we know 10% of that audience is going to think we're an idiot. Um, and another 10% is going to think this is the most brilliant thing they've ever heard. Hopefully they're both wrong. Uh, but, but we want to get to a, a lot of people, but if I have one person who comes up to me and says, that is exactly what I've needed to hear for the past 10 years. Thank you. I'm good. I don't care if it was 5,000 people. If I, if I got one, I got all the way through to one. I'm good. I got paid on that. Yeah. And yeah. so they, they worry about the people that matter. Uh, and the, the, the other insight is 
99% of the time, nothing bad happens unless you decide to label it that way. Right. It's like I said, embarrassment is a choice. Yep. Uh, you know, a friend of mine, she, she broke her heel on stage uh, in front of a big audience. And the women gasp when they see this happen, right? She's like, it's horrifying. She looks down, kicks her shoes off and says, well, I guess I got to spend more than 30 bucks on shoes. Right. As a speaker, you know, she owns them at that yeah. point because they're already impressed that she's in front of people speaking. Now she's something they would certainly be embarrassed and horrified to have happen. She's she's making a joke. Yep. This means and, nothing to her. Right. And she's, she's rolling with it. Yep. And she's demonstrated that she's extremely authentic, which is what every audience wants. Uh, I'll switch off the sales and go to, to speaking that insight. You gave us a great one there. Uh, I don't know about one out of 10, by the way. I I, I like to think if, if I've got 100 people out there, I'm going to miss about one or two of them. I, I think bigger than you. I'm, I'm bolder on this one than you, Fred. But your point is made. You, it, the, the biggest mistake we make as speakers is we and you might catch that look that that person is we then dedicate all our time to that one person that doesn't like us and lose 70 percent of the audience while trying. But it's an instinct that we have. So I'm really glad that you brought it out. And um, uh, and so you demonstrated the eye for us. Uh, go to the D. Well, I mean, if you want to talk about salespeople and the insight is if you're cold calling, you can you can take them hanging up on you or cursing you out personally or not. It's you can you can label it as bad or you can just label it as I'm one strikeout closer to a home run. The Babe yeah. Ruth philosophy. Yeah. Um, so uh, the the D in the pride method is dosage. Control the intensity of your venture into your discomfort zone don't overwhelm yourself but it's just like with exercise if you're gonna you know start to get in shape you don't start by trying to bench 300 pounds uh you you start but and you don't start with you know 10 pounds you have to strain yourself but you can't overstrain yourself and it's the same thing with you know i'll go i'll go to speaking again let's you know if you want to start speaking, don't start with an audience of a thousand people that and uh, who have paid five hundred bucks to be in the room, because um, you're going to you're going to crash and burn. Right. Start small. Start with ten people. Go to Toastmasters. Do those things. To you'll be uncomfortable enough. Don't worry. <laughs> you'll <laughs> you'll find discomfort. Yeah. Um, and but then it just it expand it, increase the dosage. And my book is full of exercises, individual exercises that are tiered so that you start really simply. You start non-verbally and gradually work yourself up to doing some really crazy stuff. But you're ready for it by the fifth level of exercises. So the dosage is is important. All of life is dosage. Right. Water, enough water will kill you. Enough aspirin will kill you. Wonder drug, but it'll kill you. You know, right. it's life is dosage. Yeah. Um, yep. And uh, and and so and the final step, which is really. A, wait, a, wait, wait, what happened to me? I got dosage. I have to. <laughs> I got Believe me, I'm scratching my head going. That's, that's a tough one he's giving me. Uh, but I'll, I'll I'll be quick. I think on the sales side, sometimes we set some unrealistic goals. Sometimes management does that by saying you were so good last year. I'm going to double it, uh, double what your goal is. And I'm cutting your territory by a third. However, real quick, I think we just have to set up some realistic goals. All right, go to the E. I just didn't want to be left out on that one. Keep going. Yeah. And, and so the E is everyday action. Do oh. if you want to build your boldness. Make a bold move every day. Go one step into your discomfort zone at least every day and do it early because then you'll do it more than once. Maybe it's just talk to a stranger in, in line at Starbucks. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I tell people like they say, oh, I don't know what to say. It's like do a drive by compliment. Just look at somebody and say, uh, you know, I'm just going to compliment them on that. Those glasses look great on you. And just keep going. Don't don't they don't even wait for the response. They they'll say, "Oh, thank you so much." Right. Don't be trying to turn it into a conversation. Just just make it a gift that you give somebody. 
I do, you know, Starbucks is a great example, but if you have a favorite coffee place, most of the time I'll, I'll take my drink, I'll take a sip and then I'll go back to the barista and I'll say, excuse me. Now they're expecting a complaint. So I'll say, this is absolutely perfect. And you can see the effect on them because they've mostly got redos right. to do. But this is like, yeah, I'm trying to make you a really great cup of coffee here. That's, you know, thanks for, ten, you know, you, you, you know, so why not sprinkle that fairy dust around? Do these drive-by compliments. You get something out of it every time. Yeah. Because you made somebody feel better about themselves. What, what a great thing to, to do. And just, but do bold stuff every day so that, and the reason you do it every day is so that you're bold when it matters most. And we, we go, we're going to go circle all the way back to the neuroscience, because when you change a pattern in your behavior, they have found that there's neuroplasticity that goes on in the brain for your entire life. We used to think our brain stopped growing it in our twenties but it constantly changes. And so if you change a new pattern, what happens is the you build a wider neural pathway, a new neural pathway. But the other thing is the old behavior, that neural pathway atrophies. It actually physically atrophies. So that what happens over months and years of taking bold action on an everyday basis is that's your default mode rather than hesitance or introversion or underconfidence. Right. You've, you've atrophied that response because that's all bold people have. Their default mode is I'm going to take a shot. I'm going to be, I'm going to be bold. I'm not going to decide to be bold any more than I'm going to decide to brush my teeth every morning. Right. Right. You know, um, I, I, I like that. And I, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to drip anything on that one other than to say that, what you're referring to, I call as muscle memory. Um, you know, you, you just, it's almost like a golf swing. Just, it just, it's, you know, you write about it. One of the things I really love about your book uh, is that, as I said, it's process oriented. It's repeatable and predictable. Of course, we'll stylize it. Of course, we'll, we'll make it our own and, and, and adjust, but there's a process in place. And, you know, they say when you have a process, you have a way of measuring what you're doing. When you can measure it, you can fix it. So um, I, it's one of the many things that I really appreciate you, Fred, about you, Fred, and your message is that it goes beyond just a person um, inspiring others. It, there, are, there is process. There are process moves here. And, um, it's, again, it's why I'm a big fan of the book. Um, all right. You write about making certain choices that we make, including the choice to be embarrassed. Uh, is embarrassment, it, can that be a choice, embarrassment? Yeah, you know, I, I just did a lecture uh, mm -hmm. to this uh, this software company, to their whole team. They, there was their annual meeting. They flew, everybody flew in from around the country. And uh, one of the things I did uh, was the cookie challenge. Now, I, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but basically you, you get five or six people uh, out of the audience or 10 or however many you want, and you got a bunch of Oreo cookies and they put it on their forehead. They have to get it in their mouth without using their hands. So they're all on stage contorting their faces, trying to move it down and angle their head and stuff like that. And they'll drop it and I'll give them another one. And, and I just did this. The, the great thing was the CEO actually managed to pull it off. So it's the whole, everybody's laughing and screaming and cheering while this is going on. And then one guy, which was, it was almost like a setup. He goes, what was the purpose of that? Uh, and I said, embarrassment is a choice. You could decide to sit there in your seat and say, oh, I'm not gonna do the cookie challenge. They got up in front of us and did it and chose not to be embarrassed, failing at it because it didn't matter. All of life is this. You can, whatever it is, you can try to run for president. Guess what? Most of the people that try to run for president lose. But all it takes to run for president is being over 35 and registering to do it. Yeah. And somebody wins. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Well said. 
All right. I, uh, you know, I, I remember our first talk it was one of my longer talks and I could go all day with you. I want to start, I want to bring it in for a landing a little bit. So, um, I want to talk about, you know, a, a topic like this and given the fact that you weren't, you didn't, you weren't born bold. Uh, there've got to be some mentors involved, some people that really, uh, inspired you. So, uh, just talk for a moment about mentor, a moment. It Maybe it was just a, a, something that happened in your life that really made you stop and pause. But g give me, tell me how you, you know, who was there to give you a push along the way? You know, if you're lucky, there are, there are these people in your life that don't let you off the hook mm -hmm. and say, no, I'm sorry you have to do this, you have to try this. And uh, I had a, a, a good friend that I, I, you know, because I was doing the television commercials for 800 Dentists, I started taking acting classes. And I met this young man who was a stand-up comedian also taking the acting class. And we became friends and he eventually, and I saw him perform several times and he said, I know you wanna do this. He said, Everything that you're afraid of about doing stand-up, you're wrong. And you'll realize the things you should be afraid of once you actually do it. So you're going to have to do it. And so he gets me to do open mic night. Uh, and then, and it goes kind of well. It, like it doesn't, because most people who go up and do open mic, bomb. They right. just, because they're, they're not funny. Uh, they're, or they're just starting to, but I, I had preparation. I had done some preparation um, and, and it went okay. And eventually I had, I developed 15 minutes of material and would, and had a chance to get up and do it. And he was right. It was like the first time you do it, you say, Oh, it's completely different than I thought. Um, and, and he, and then he also taught me several things. He said like, never blame the audience um it, they came to laugh and you failed so move and it and there and it's not that you're not funny it's the joke's not funny and everybody bombs and he says but here's the amazing thing whether you kill that night or you bomb the set's over the set's in the wind stand up is this amazing thing where the feedback loop is instantaneous. Like we can really, as speakers, we can think we really wowed them. You know, we really got to them. With stand-up, you know, every 30 seconds, if you're getting to them or not. Um, but then it's over. There's, it's, not, it's not permanent. It is the opposite. It's totally ephemeral. And so because of it, you're only as good as the set that's coming up next that you have to do. And so it, it really uh, strengthens you to put yourself out there because when you're, you're in other situations and you don't have to be funny or you just, you know, like just as a speaker, it's kind of relaxing <laughs> to not have to make people laugh every 30 seconds to just have just, and, and what happens is of course, I can be much funnier on stage in the moment. Right. Because, uh, you know, uh, that's, the, you know, just like all of, you know, go back to preparation. Y you can prepare a great lecture, but invariably you're going to discover something in that lecture that's new, that you put a better way or you in a second you thought of a different example or somebody in the audience asked a question a certain way or you zeroed in on somebody and you said, tell me what you're thinking right now. What, what's your reaction to this? And they feed you something and you just come out with it. You're like, I have never summed that up so perfectly before because you were prepared to be spontaneous, to discover. Yep. Yep. And that's, that's like an amazing thing. So that was, that was pivotal in my life. Um, How long and, ago was that? Uh, this was, this was, uh, wow. I, we were just figuring out that I've known him for, 30 something years at this okay. point, like 35 years. Um, he's still, a, he's, he's made a living as a comic the whole time. And he, and you wouldn't know him, but he works constantly. Like he opens for guys like George Lopez and Jamie Foxx and stuff like right. that. And, right. and, and he's, you know, I, 
I learn from him all the time. Uh, and I also can critique his act and just go, the, the rest of that joke is this. And he goes, oh yeah, that's it, that's it. Because that's the other thing that you discover on stage is a, a good comic goes up with his material, but he's got three or four jokes that he that are half baked, and he's and he's and the the tension and energy of the stage helps you to finish the joke. If you can harness that anxiety and turn it into creative energy, you will finish the joke that you couldn't finish sitting there in the in the bathtub trying to figure it out. Um, so. It, it, to, to be able to tap into your creative mind in that way uh, was was really transformational for me. Perfect. Uh, you know, I, I, it's funny. I, I agree with almost everything you say in this podcast. We're a little off on this one, just a little bit. That's what makes a good podcast, by the way. Uh, first of all, just so you know, I know the comedy business, not that I haven't had 9,000 people in my career going, do you do comedy? Are you stand-up guy? You been stand so I've done a couple open mics just so I could, Say, yeah, I, I gave it a shot. My son has been a comic for about 13, 14 years, and same sort of thing works steady, etc. cetera. Um, but when you mention, I think there are more similarities to comedy and to what we do as professional speakers than, than, than most people think. It's not that we have to be funny every 30 seconds, but we have to be interesting every 30 seconds. Uh, we can't go too long without bringing a point home, doing something or we feel that same vacant audience expression and reaction. And, um, and, and we know it, believe me, we go, uh, I've been on stage and thought, I don't know about them, but I'm bored with me. Well, yeah, <laughs> the phone comes out and they're, they're all of a sudden they're on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. and you go like, Oh, wow. I yeah. get it. I get it. But no, no, but you're, but you're absolutely right. Because yeah. just like a stand-up comic, the best speakers, we are constantly sensing the audience reaction got him lost him got him lost him yeah. got him got yeah. him lost him yep yeah um uh, and you, and last thing i'll say about that my son and i used to always go into this thing about when he was earlier in his career you know dad it's you know part of it is failing and it's okay and that's how we learn and failing is good and i say you know as a professional speaker it's never okay to fail uh the dollars are bigger uh, these are Fortune 500 companies. You can do a tremendous damage. It's not that everything goes perfectly every time, but we don't embrace failure. There's not, hey, you know what? I learned how to make that joke better. No, it was a disaster. But he's gotten some corporate gigs and uh, where the numbers were a little bit higher and looked at me recently and said, I get it now. It's not okay yeah. to fail. It's, no. You know, when no, you're starting I mean, out, maybe. We're not, yeah. we're not aiming for failure. We're just not afraid of it. It's right. Like, and, right. And it's it's just a learning experience. Bold people use it as a, a step up, a stairway up is, you know, but eventually. But the, the reality is you fail less and less and less because right. even even as a comic, you would, you know, if your joke doesn't work, you know what to do. I mean, mm -hmm. Johnny Carson was a master of Perfect example. the joke, the joke that died and his his reaction to the joke dying was always funny right um, right you, you know and it's it's like i said it, if you don't blame the audience for not laughing you can move on to your other joke or you can just say that was so funny to me in the shower this morning i don't know what happened yeah uh, and they'll laugh at that uh, right. but they see that you're not panicking because you didn't get a laugh yeah um, yeah you know it, it, and we'll, we'll close on this I, I will tell you that and i learned this the hard way uh, sometimes we have to be careful because you said something really so many really great things, but one of them was, you know, you, you can't blame the audience. Um, I was in the Midwest. I'm an East coaster. I was, you know, uh, in Minnesota, I love Minnesota folks, uh, but low reacting audience and two day workshop. And, and I did, it obviously wasn't conscious of it, but I was getting angry. That this, you know, I'm busting my tail, sweating, working, nailing every line, and you couldn't be less reactive to what I'm doing. And it became, I began to sort of snipe them a little bit. Uh, suffice to say, Fred, didn't work out real well for me that time. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one of the many things I'm taking from you is even for when we're selling, even when we're presenting, even if we're interviewing, whatever it is. Don't blame the person who you're communicating with. Uh, you know, 
react, um, adjust. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. what I learned. Um, you know what? I did have people from Minnesota who you could hear a pin drop for 16 hours, walk up and go, that was the best presentation I ever heard. Um, you know, <laughs> you know I'm, I lost four pounds in that presentation, but thank you. for. <laughs> and then I realized that that's not their fault. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm culturally one way. The book is super bold from underconfident to charismatic in 90 days. The, the, the conversation we've had is with Fred Joyle, who is a, a treasure. Um, and um, I, Fred, I am so grateful that you uh, you came on again with me. It meant, meant a great deal to me. How do people get a hold of you? Uh, you know, I am Fred Joyle on everything, on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. Uh, you know, J-O-Y-A-L uh, is go. my last name. Uh, and I've got a website, fredjoyle.com. Uh, you can uh, download the first chapter of the book. The book is on Amazon and it, it's in hardcover, Kindle and Audible. And it's me reading the book. Good. And yeah. And if, and if you do the digital version, you can go to my website and download the exercises so that you have a printed version of it. Outstanding. Outstanding. So it's interactive as well, which I, I, I wish more books were. I mean, I, it's sort of like we speakers, we don't just talk at you. We want you to interact. You'll find that most people who do professional speaking can't help but write a book that <laughs> they're sort of seeking that interaction. But I'm but I'm glad to hear it. And, and I as I said, I've been through your book. Uh, it's just a, a it's a wonderful book. And now um, we you've heard from this from the author, Fred. Thank you so much for being on again. Really wonderful talking. I, I hope I didn't talk too much, but I love oh, your topic. You were fine. You were fine. <laughs> you know, but it's like, uh, you know, like you, I love to to speak too. I like to to get in front of entrepreneurs and and college students and and uh, you know this is this is what I wish I knew at eighteen. Right. Uh, and so uh, and and then thirty, I wish I knew it too. But the younger you learn this the more the more you can chase your dreams uh and and create bigger ones for yourself um and and don't live a life of regret ever there you go so, and, if, and if you're yeah. defending your life someday proudly show them all the times you took bold steps as opposed yeah. to shying away from it i'm with you on that one love the topic and love the conversation thanks for being on fred really appreciate it thanks rob thanks to everybody for listening well we'll do it again as well as we can next time everybody until then Stay safe. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate and recommend it on iTunes, Outcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more information on this show and Rob at Jollis.com.